you know what time it is. Welcome back to the Rhythm Section, brought to you by The Modern Chronicle. I'm your host, Coburn Blair. This week, Kyle and I are getting into new music from DJ Khaled, Conway the Machine, with an album title that I can't pronounce, Toronto's very own DJ SB, and Topaz Jones' seminal Don't Go Telling Your Mom. We hope you enjoy it. If you like what you hear, remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Rhythm Section. I am joined by the man to the right of me, your friend, my friend, Kyle Bodanis. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. A rainy weekend in the uh, in the city, but uh, I'm feeling good. Had a nice relaxing weekend, really kind of enjoyed the music we're going to talk about today, kind of like sat with it, read a book, was outside working out to it, just like getting all the all the vibes and all the feels. So yeah, man, I'm in a I'm in a good place. It's a lovely Sunday afternoon. That's that's great. I'm I'm glad to hear it, you know. It's like uh it's a confusing time, but as long as you're doing great and we have a lot of good music to talk about. Is there a reason you think we're getting like, you know, so much good music this spring? Is this like, you know, a year into lockdown, people are ready to let go of some of their projects? What do you think it is? Well, I think part of it is uh that you know, you're getting the you know, you're getting the lockdown sessions, you know what I mean? Like some people, like I, I obviously some of this for me is probably coming out from later last year, but I, I, I think at the end of the day, the, 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 it was never going to be a quick thing. And I, I think it's, it's to the point now where people are like, we got to get this stuff out. And I mean, at the, it, the music is fantastic. So, I mean, I'm not going to complain with all of it coming out for sure. Yeah, I think I think I'd agree with that. Like, there's no you're getting no complaints from me. I guess my only complaint might be that we won't get to see these acts tour anytime yeah. soon. Yeah, and on these albums too. On these you know albums, I mean? yeah. Like, well, yeah, like, I hope they'll still be doing some stuff on this album. It'll be interesting because I wonder if like artists will set up tours for albums or something like that, or change their sets to kind of like showcase some of this music. Yeah, because, I mean, if you go by what Lana Del Rey's saying, she's, like, dropping, what, another two albums this year? Like, yeah, she's so something that's like, a lot of music. It's a lot of music. So, if you liked Chemtrails, how is that going to be in with, you know what I mean? Because, like, live performances, unless you're, like, a legacy act, tend to be, you know, have a recency bias. So, you know, you don't want, like, some of these tracks to get lost in. Because, again, I mean, I said this about, you know, uh, folklore. Is that I would love to see what Taylor Swift does with that tour. And how would the complexion of it would be a lot different than maybe some of her other stuff. Because of the subdued nature. And I would like to love to see, like, Lana Del Rey on Chemtrails. Because it's it has a little bit more of a country, uh, you know, idea put behind it. So, yeah, it's, it's great that the music's coming out. I'm just hoping that we also get to see it live. Because I always love to see... You know how artists translate some of these really great works into a live performance. Yeah, and I, I think that'll be my hope too. Is that like they will kind of remember that these songs hadn't really been given a new life on stage yet, and tailor some stuff so that we can see these these songs and these albums get their just due. You know, in the live realm because I think that can change your perception of music. I think so, sometimes you hear a song live; it's completely different than hearing it. It takes on a new life. Album, yeah, it takes on a a whole new life, right? Like some songs live sound, you know, like they decide to do, you know, they decide to do like either add it, like do it in a medley, blend songs together, uh, give it a different look. Um, Certain songs become almost 
like climaxes or centerpieces for for a live performance and i i'm always interested to see how they interpret these songs into into the the narrative of a live performance yeah i think on that note like let's get into some of the music we have to talk about this week and some songs that i most likely never want to hear again live or not live and let's start with dj khaled's album khaled khaled um so my first question for you kyle is why why did khaled give us this album why is he even bothering doing this anymore why do i care well i think this is a feeble attempt to stay relevant but what i like about opening with this and how it like reacts with the rest of the albums we're talking about today which are a little bit more off the well i mean you'll see as we talk about them which are obviously a little bit more off the beaten mainstream path uh but like it shows that you can't buy class you can't buy a great album. Uh, you have to do the reps. You have to figure the shit out. This is legitimately terrible. And despite all the glitz and glamour on it, it just sounds like leftover bars that he got off a thumbstick from rappers. And uh, he hasn't put out anything worthwhile since Major Key really six years ago. And it's not like every track on that was flawless either. So I don't know why. I think he's trying to stay relevant. But the it it like it the, it's not mixed well like it, it's it's not like he's a dj you know what i mean he's a producer and if he's not doing that then at, at a high level that i'm not sure why we're listening other than to talk about it yeah i think i i agree with that and i think that like he announced this album last year i guess in the summer with the two drake singles that you know preceded this album and I don't think I even paid attention to that or I don't think I cared. Um, so I wasn't really anticipating this album. We kind of, I think by now know that Khaled does his album cycle every year or every other year or something like that. He gets the superstar features for the singles. In this case, he kind of did a different, uh, different thing in getting pretty much two free Drake singles that dropped last summer. Both of those singles, I think, were good singles. Drake gave us a lot of music last year, but those singles never really got their their time in the, in the sun because of lockdown. So I think, you know, they didn't get to be as big as they might have been in a normal cycle. And I wonder if that kind of pushed this album back. But I don't even know, you know, why he would push this album back because basically we get it and it's just a pack of everybody who's super you know hot in the the music scene right now got his legacy features he got his uh, Nas and and Jay-Z he has Justin Timberlake on it he has 21 Savage and and Justin Bieber that or sorry and whoever else Little Baby the album feels like a coming out party for Little Baby almost because he's on so many different songs but you know, despite all the big names, I'm not drawn into any particular thing on this album. Yeah, it's there's nothing good on it, to be honest with you. Uh, like, I didn't mind the Drake tracks, but like, again, they came out last summer. And, you know, I mean, uh, this pop star is good. <clears throat> but like this dropped again, it dropped last summer. So, I mean... I'm not really, I can't really talk about anything that's good on it. I'm just, I mean, I'll probably, I'm just going to talk about a song that uh, wasn't good. Uh, I Did It uh, features a sample from Layla. Well, first of all, uh, Layla 
from the album Layla and other sort of love songs, a uh, institutional classic in rock music, uh, featuring, obviously it's uh, Derek and the Dominoes there at Clapton, featuring one of the greatest slide guitar players, if not the greatest slide guitar player of all time, Dwayne Allman, which who's also one of my favorite guitar players of all time, and uh, to hear it mangled on this... Uh, I mean, people gave Eminem shit for putting classic rock tracks, to like, sampling them, and this is worse. And I can't even imagine, like, the album track's not even mixed properly, so I don't... So it's a mess, it's not mixed properly, and he probably paid, I have no idea how much for that sample. So, and, and really, it's kind of a metaphor for the entire album, if you think about it, because got the expensive sample... It's got, you know, got some A-list talent on it, and then it's just fucking dog shit. So, there you have it. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really interested in, like, the mythology for, for this album, because it just seems like, you know, you get these big names, you throw them together kind of haphazardly by now. You know, you've done this for year in, year out. And I also think people have weird expectations for these albums, because I don't like every time they get delivered we say the same things about them nothing changes you know he rinses and repeats the, the formula i think you know in the last like four albums we have like four or five singles that are still kind of relevant to this day you know the rihanna and bryson tiller being one of them but for the large part like these albums don't really move the needle they're they're kind of like a you know, royalty check for all these artists. That's what it you feels know. like. It feels like these albums are like an ATM. It seems like that, or like, you know, a way to keep, you know, the brand dollars in, D- in DJ Khaled's, like, pockets, you know, an extension of his Snapchat brand. There don't really seem to be anything in particular. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So, like, do you think that there was an album in the past from his releases that, like, actually genuinely moved the needle, or has he kind of just always been the same? Okay, if I was to rank his quote-unquote best album, as I said, it'd probably be Major Key, but there's only a few, a handful of good tracks on that. Like, uh, like there's nothing... There's not any... I don't understand why he just doesn't put out singles and that's it. Because he doesn't know how to construct an album. Right? Like, you don't have to... It doesn't... Listen, an album doesn't have to be, like, have this grand concept every time. But what you're asking for is quality and a certain degree of quality from start to finish. And he doesn't... I mean, really, with this, he hasn't hit that. And I don't really think he's hit it with much of what he's done, especially, you know, in the last five, six years, especially. But, like, the albums have been terrible. Yeah, like, it... Like, it... There's a lot of singles that he has that, you know, he kind of just got handed to him, you know, in the vein of I'm on one or no new friends or, you know, a multitude of other singles featuring, you know, these marquee acts that, you know, kind of have, have a place in the year that they came out. But, you know, this is his 12th studio album. You know, his first one was 2006 Listen which featured the singles Holla Back with Little Wayne, Paul Wall, and Rick Ross, which kind of tells you a little bit about the legacy of, you know, Rick um, Rick Ross and Little Wayne still being, you know, on the same kind of relevancy scale that they were at the time, you know, maybe a bit less so. Someone like Paul Wall, who 
really was a stalwart of that era, you know, in 2006. Mm. The second single being Grammy Family with Kanye West, John Legend, and Consequence. You know, that song, definitely a classic for the era. Um, the beat is really, really amazing. But, like, that's a long time ago. And when you look at the track list from that album, you can kind of see, you know, what was going on in hip-hop at the time. And, and as you kind of go along through DJ's catalogs, DJ Khaled's catalog, you'll kind of see the same thing where the albums are kind of a barometer to who is hot and who is, you know, kind of making noise in hip-hop in the given year that the album comes out. But other than that, it seems to be little forethought goes into, you know, creating them. Every other album, so he'll kind of christen one of the new artists who's, you know, at that point probably already topping the Billboard chart and, you know, been on collaborations with a lot of major acts. But then they become a new center piece on the album. And I'd say, you know, Bryson Tiller has been that in the past. Little Baby kind of appears to be that person on this album. So... I just don't really know, you know, what these albums are other than kind of like a major label resume builder kind of thing. It's a flex to me. That's like, that's what it really feels like to me. It's like, again, trying to stay relevant, trying to be at the center of the musical universe, especially when it comes to hip hop. And I just think that it's transparently that. So like it, there's it's not crafted it's not like well put together it's not you know exhibiting a high understanding of what makes this music great you know what I mean? like like that, like that's it's just not and there's so many great artists on this think about how many great artists on this like you should listen to that uh to 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 the Jay Z and Nas track and just be like what is this and it's funny because in an interview uh i think it's actually was it a, i'm trying to think it was a conversation with jay-z i can't remember it was it, i can't quite remember Nas was saying that he heard jay-z's lines and he's like yo i gotta write better lines and bring it and i'm like if that's bringing it like the, it's the two weakest ass fucking verses from those two i've ever heard yeah like i think it's one of those things where like if you told me they were going to be on this album four years ago i would have been really excited to hear it i guess i was still pretty excited when i saw that they would be paired together yeah same here and i love james fontaroy and it just the song was just very very like milk toast and like not a song that i want to be playing again and like i think they've had good collaborations in the past and they don't collaborate very often so you know any chance you get to see the them two on a track like i'd be excited by it and this just you know was not worthy of any excitement. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. I can't I it's I can't disagree at all. So on this album we have some odd pairings like Justin Bieber and Twenty One Savage, her and Migos. And these pairings are definitely headline grabbing and attention getting outside of the, you know, number one A listers who are, you know, bookending um the DJ Khaled albums. But they rarely seem to work when you compare it to albums like Funk Wave Bounces Volume One with Calvin Harris um, when he pairs Frank Ocean and the Migos together, and that record works really w- well together. But those collaborations seem almost more intentional and, and precise when you compare it to DJ Khaled's endless amount of Rolodex records. And what do you think the reason for that is? Is it that Calvin Harris is, you know, 
bit more of a visionary in the studio and he's producing to a more intentional degree? Or is it that Khaled is kind of not picking these acts for a specific reason? No, he is. It's the musical equivalent of name dropping why DJ Khaled's doing it. I mean, there's a massive difference in legitimacy between Calvin Harris and DJ Khaled, for sure. I mean, if you look at any DJ rankings, whether it's MixMag, DJ Mag, um, you know, DJRankings.org, Calvin Harris is always in the top 20, if not way up at the top. He's a student of music. He understands his nuances, and there's, like, a perfectionism that, like, comes with anything he does. He's meticulous, and, like, this, the Khaled album feels like it was slapped together, but funk like funk wave sounds great it's a great sounding album it's well produced it's well put together again meticulously mixed and it's just a really fun album to listen to because you're listening to a guy who's almost like it's almost like he's it's like he's hosting a really cool barbecue and all these people are coming to it and it just panned out so well right he's just so much more intentional. Calvin Harris. I mean, he's one of the best DJs on the planet. So, he, I mean, he knows music. Yeah, I'd agree. I think there's, like, you know, a different degree of proficiency there. I would just like to see DJ Khaled do an album, because we know he's going to continue doing them. I would love him to pair up with uh, another executive producer or, you know, a young kind of hungry producer who could kind of give these albums some more focus and, and more direction because it's nice that he's able to pull all these acts together it would be great if you're going to do this you know give us music that's quality and give us music that we care about because we're, we're going to have to we're getting these albums either way so you know whatever way you could do it but just get somebody who is dri- going to be the driving force of these albums because I don't think that person is DJ Khaled completely agree so let's get on to Conway the Machine and Griselda and his new project. How do you pronounce this? La La Maquina. La Maquina. Is it Maquina? My, uh, my, my Spanish is not is not what it used to be. My Spanish is non-existent. <laughs> yeah. It's non-existent. So, what did you think of this album? Did you know it was coming? Were you looking forward to this? I didn't know it was coming. I actually just kind of found out when it dropped and then i'm like we haven't talked about it i think it's been out for a couple weeks uh i mean from front to back the from features uh to the beats to conway's bars this album was good and the only thing i'm beginning to wonder is how are griselda gonna kind of top this shit like they're getting to the point now where they're gonna be shadow boxing with themselves um because it's whether it's a full-on griselda album or like the solo stuff it's fucking really good uh, like the Benny the Butcher albums are good. The West Side Gun albums are great. Even if you're, you know, especially if you're in more of that boom bap heads headspace and looking for something with a little more menace, like this music is absolutely perfect. I'm, in fact, like they never overdo it. The albums are just tight and concise on, you know, the, he sounds like a boxer on this. He's like ducking and jiving. The features are great. You know, uh, Jay Skeese's features, who just recently signed uh, to his Drumworks imprint, which is under Griselda. Like, he doesn't get buried in other features. He gets two solid cracks at elevating the tracks, and he pulls them through. And I just really enjoyed this from start to finish. Like, the serial opposite of uh, of the previous album we talked about. Like, he's hungry. And these guys make music like they're hungry. Yeah, I think, like, you know, to have 
him kind of come out swinging on this album, you know, after giving us the last album was just last year. And, and I, it feels like, I don't know. And it was great or, or shorter. And it was amazing. And this is another really powerful, like album by Conway. He's launched like his drum work music group. He is, you know, just seemingly like has everything kind of figured out and he's just ever, effortlessly dropping, you know, this body of work that you know is at a really high level you know starting from bruiser body you know right through to the end of this album you know there wasn't really a minute that i wasn't like completely floored by it yeah it was some of the tracks were fantastic on i mean um again those two uh jay skis songs uh blood roses and grace were really good two different vibes but again his features were fantastic on it really really great tracks uh by the way if anybody hasn't heard uh jay Skeese's album from last year asphalt calligraphy uh really really fucking good so i would like i would definitely check that out um like scatterbrain you know i love jid fucking uh i uh, ludicrous is back on his feature is fantastic i know we're gonna you know get into that and there's just so much friggin good work on this uh clarity even like the no like the two chains 200 pies the two the two chains feature like i cannot speak enough about this um el camino uh the feature on the had to hustle el camino is a affiliate of um griselda he's signed to griselda yeah I, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't think I've heard El Camino before uh before this project I, if I have I don't, I listened to a little I listened to a little bit. I believe uh I believe he is he is, but like and then you have the you know, the the, the full Voltron Griselda at the very end. Uh yeah, like, SC it, Gang it, is great. Yeah, I mean these are like this is a these are really great tracks and they're really well picked because there's for sure more of them in a session in the sessions. But, you know, there's just 11 fucking good songs that all work together and just really kind of show what's present in the company, but what's also present, uh, sorry, present uh, with what, you know, Conway the Machine's headspace in terms of hip hop right now. I, I just thought the production on this album was also, you know, really, really supportive to what he was doing. There's a variety of producers on here, you know, Bangladesh. Uh, famously, you know, Little Wayne, a lot of singles there. You got Don Cannon, The Alchemist, Murder Beats. You know, J.R. Swift, yeah, um, Derringer. Like, it's just a mix of guys who have been around for a long time who are known for this. You know, Don Cannon he does a lot of Southern beats, and you know, Murder Beats coming in from, you know, Drake's camp and Migos and tons of different you know productions, and he's having a really good year as well. I just thought the album really flowed together. It was well sequenced. It kind of just blew me away. And it's like an album that's perfect to drive around to or just have on in the background while doing whatever you want, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Al- I mean, The Alchemist is just everywhere now, too. Uh, and like he... I, I, want, I want more Alchemist, one, one producer, uh, and sorry, one rapper in the Alchemist albums because those are always fantastic yeah man like it's 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 really really good i like you like don't get me wrong i love seeing them pop up uh like this but it's it's uh always wanting more and then again yeah murder beat murder beats is absolutely fantastic so i mean this is pr- like this is a pretty fucking good album so what were your favorite songs on this album 
again it's probably scatterbrain scatterbrain for me was the one where because i love jid and i i feel like i love hearing his i mean i like his albums but like when i listen to him on dreamville tracks he's just his his lines are always so good and you know the ludicrous feature you know was just absolutely just really cool and really funny and good flow and i i I think and then probably the closer i mean um se yang like i really 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 enjoyed that track too like it's it's fucking good They, they they just work so well together and they just sound so fucking menacing but the the bars are awesome the beat is just hitting you and it it's i would probably say um the last one and scatterbrain are my favorites yeah um i think this album was you know just top to bottom perfect like i said uh, i really love 630 tip off produced by bangladesh track 2 the 2 chains feature i always love 2 chains popping up you know i think we've talked about on on this podcast before Big his features are fan. awesome they're always good and, and hearing him on Alchemist beat, like, it just made me want more 2 chains in Alchemist. I don't know if I'm missing some that's out there, but I hope I'm not. Cause I'm Do we need a full album down. with them? I think we might. I mean, I could definitely hear it, especially after the I'm album we that. got last year. I would I'd really like to hear that. Yeah, man. And then, yes, Scatterbrain was a really nice placement at, at track 9. I think it, it, it kind of changed some of the feel up of what was already, you know, preceding it, but it was also a really, really nice addition. It's really nice hearing Ludacris back in form as well. And, you know, it's kind of cool. It feels like almost a passing of the torch to have Ludacris with JID, you know, matched up on there. It's a really, like, I thought that was a really good, like, it was a really good combination. Yeah, just like, you know, two Atlanta acts, like, you know, the the guy who was the guy in Atlanta for a long time with, you know, the new up-and-comer jumpstart out of Atlanta. I thought it was really cool. That's a really cool, like, production note to have them, the two of them on there on this album. Yeah, man. So what do you think about, you know, production and features uh, like Ludacris and hearing him on an album like this? Like, do you think it's going to kind of reinvigorate his career a little bit or get him back in the studio more regular regularly? Um, would you want to hear some new music from Ludacris after hearing this verse? I'm always good to hear more music from Ludacris. I guess my question would be, do we think that that is something that Ludacris is thinking about? Because he, I guess he just kind of, like, I'm wondering what his endgame is. Like, his feature was great. The best part of this is that it's only the kind of feature that he can do. And, um, you know, because he has this very funny specific ridiculous style and it just has a great flow as well and what it means in the greater scheme of his career in life i don't know i guess i mean i would love to hear a new ludicrous album but i also like he's married he's got kids he's acting you know like maybe he wants to be away from the grind i'm always interested in what the answer to that question is like what is the end game what are you doing what are you trying to you know, what are you trying to accomplish right now? Are you sitting in the periphery of music waiting for your opportunity to come in or like what, what's the deal? Yeah. I was kind of wondering about that, especially with, um, you know, older rappers, but like, I think some of them, you know, really love the craft. And I think that even if we're not hearing the music that they're creating music on their own is that's kind of what I like to think anyways. I don't know if all of them are, but I think when you have an appreciation for the genre and when you've, you know, been so um, prophetic in the genre that you kind of always want to dip your toe in or at least you know be abreast of what's happening and i think that you know that's what this kind of sounds like to me getting ludicrous on here because it seems like an unusual feature on, in this day and age 
It does. I, 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 when you said the dipping the toe in, like for me, that's what it is. Like, you know what I mean? It just, just wants to, you know, just, just wants to, to just keep throwing things out there every once in a while, you know, work the, work the muscle, that kind of thing. And he probably just goes and does albums that he wants to do. Cause like he, there's a lot worse artists than Ludacris who keep putting out albums you know, in their advanced age, and he's like, I, I would love to hear stuff from him, but I, I think it might just be something, as you said, dipping the toe in, just wants to do it every once in a while, thinks it's fun, you know what I mean? Like he's he's gonna love music, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think it might just be a little, you know, moonlighting back in, it, and maybe we see. I'd like to see a nice eight to ten song, ludicrous album, nothing long, just the best. 10 tracks he can do yeah I'd be, that'd be really cool i think you know with a lot of focus um and then hearing kind of like some maturity and some growth out of him that'd be really cool and that would you know be exactly what i would want from Ludacris at this stage absolutely so on our patented cog rating system where are you placing this album i have it a nine i loved it yeah, I think uh, I think it definitely belongs to be up there. Um, for myself, I was thinking around eight point five. This is exactly what I want from Conway the Machine. I'm definitely looking forward to hearing more of it. And working on my Spanish, I actually looked up at that la. How do you say it again? Maquita. La Maquita. It, it means the machine. Um, I will Maquina. get back to my du- Maquina. I will get back to my Duolingo in the next couple of weeks, and I will be able to say that um, fluently. It's two weeks of Duolingo to figure it out. I love it. Yeah, me, me and that little owl. <laughs> so next up, uh, I want to get into some more homegrown music. I want to talk about Toronto's DJ SB and Head Above the Waters. So this album came out, I think, in the last couple of weeks. I find it, like, you know, super relatable. There's a lot of themes of kind of depression and vulnerability. And I think it makes it super unique and, and stands out kind of and it, and it makes it also a perfect album for this you know uncertainty around lockdown mm-hmm. and uh the last little bit we've kind of faced all all around what did you kind of think of this album i really enjoyed it it was really good uh, at first i was just kind of you know in the living room and i had it on my headphones i was just kind of lying down on the couch and it was just really good from start to finish and it's one of those heart on its sleeve albums, but you know, there's a determination and there's like a, you know, a talk of keeping going with all this stuff. And, you know, it's full of self love and self confidence, but at the same time, doubting yourself and, and, and being, you know, vulnerable and, you know, being depressed and how those things clash into each other references to basketball that i fucking love just talking about steph curry shooting from the tunnel it's just a really really kind of cool album and i always love it when it's the toronto people putting out this work because it it makes me feel that level of pride and i think if anybody is a fan of hip-hop in toronto or just good hip-hop in general for that matter uh definitely listen to this album is it, it was really quite good so do you see, you know, DJ's mentioned that they are a big fan of Kid Cudi and, you know, they've had interactions with Kid Cudi online. Do you see Kid Cudi's influence in this album and uh, in which ways do you see that? 
I think the big thing, like the most obvious uh, comparison is just the subject matter. And, you know, Kid Cudi really kind of goes in on, you know, mental health and, and what he's feeling and how he's coping with depression. And I think they do that well on this album as well. And you're definitely hearing things like Lupe Fiasco as, you know, as, as well. But I think the big thing is, you know, that they really, they have more bite in their, you know, in the way they are delivering the lyrics. And there's a lot more self-assuredness as well. And, you know, the, the whole relationship between confidence and, and, and vulnerability and I can definitely see where it comes from, but I think, to be very honest with you, all the things that I find annoying about uh, Kid Cudi, I do not find annoying about, you know, DJSB. Like, that that would be my easiest way of, of explaining it. So I definitely see where it comes from. And then also, like, the influence, too, because, like, when you think about Lupe Fiasco and the sonic properties of Lupe Fiasco, you can definitely feel it in here, right? Like, this is a very... You know, it's a very like live instrument album that's really well put together, and it's just really crisp. And like you hear that kind of stuff in it, and it's not. See, it, it, some albums are hard listens. This is not, and I find like Kid Cudi albums are a hard listen, uh, regardless of who's producing or whatever. I think it's really only his collaboration with, um, you know, Kitsy Ghost with with Kanye that I'm really super super into from him. But you know, I definitely see the influence. I definitely see the way Cuddy's art is represented here. But at the same time, I know they're not as far along as Kid Cuddy, but I kind of really enjoy this way better. Yeah, I think uh, I think that influence thing is always interesting to me too because I. Th- like some of my favorite artists are influenced by artists I don't like, but they can pull from, you know, the aspects that are admirable about that artist and, you know, create something new and something, you know, different and completely original with those aspects. And not that I don't really, not that I don't like Kid Cudi. I'm not the biggest fan. So I can see where Deja finds inspiration and translates that into their music and that i think you know becomes super special um and that's like super apparent on this album i love like the you know the title and you know kind of how it tracks throughout this album and you know even on the kind of more upbeat songs like throw that back there's just like something that's really sincere about all the music on here yeah and i guess that's my thing is that some kitty music doesn't sound sincere all the time and i know he's got his uh supporters who will probably take exception with that but what i like about especially the title head above waters is it alludes to like it's it's hopeful still you know what i mean there's no you're it's above the water and you know it's not saying that things are you know perfect but it's like saying you know it's looking at the struggle and getting through it and there's always that element of getting through it and how it affects relationships and you know how how to look past it and look into it in relationships and i love that it's really honest about you know things that are going on in their lives and how they feel and it's i was you know i i kind of listen to things to hear 
the music kind of the first time, but then like I start really zoning in on lyrics and you know messaging and storytelling in in the second listen. Like the first time, I'm really just looking for the groove and looking at it from both senses. It was just really enjoyable. So let's uh, let's get into the features on here. Just you know, for full transparency, I know it's in the my bio on the, the podcast, but I do manage uh, Terrell Morris. But yeah, so what did you think of the features on here from Harrison on production to Ray Humid, I think is how you say it. Chris Hammond? Costello. Hammond? Yeah, maybe Hammond. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm sometimes bad with the no, uh, yeah. no um, vowels. I need, I need, listen guys, I know you're stylizing it, no problem, and it probably looks super dope on merch, but some people, you know, like me, are an idiot and can't figure it out, so... I going with Hammond. Um, <laughs> that feature that feature's great though. I thought, yeah, I thought that was uh, moving with was the tides. Pretty phenomenal. The... Yeah, moving the tides. Yeah, right, right to open the album too. I thought that was uh, a see. Really, I love these titles because really these t- these titles, like you know, like listen, you could be talking about depression and but like there's a real idea of like emotional movement in this, and these features kind of are really good and help accentuate that too. I mean. Beyond um, Terrell Morris's reprehensible business dealings, <laughs> he fucking he's great on this. He's just perfect to this. Like they really kind of mesh well together because there's a soulfulness he adds to it, and there is a there is a there's a very warm vibe that his music gives off, and. It, it, it really kind of goes well with this and uh, like the Chris cab feature as well. It's really good. So what I liked is, you know, using local talent and also really accentuating what the ideas of the album are with the features. And that's, that's what it's supposed to be. That's what's supposed to happen. And what's good is when you're not talking about the glitz and the glamor of features at like the highest pop levels of hip hop, you know, you can really see when people are just trying to fit the right sonic and lyrical touch with things. Yeah, and I'd agree. And I think that, like, there's something nice, you know, after listening to, you know, major label studio albums is finding, like, the heart that exists in in smaller and independent music. Yeah. Um, because I th- think sometimes that gets lost in the, in the glamour and the glitz sometimes in the, just the sincerity that, you know, exists on here. Like, you know, the song Way Too Many Ways I thought was amazing. I love that the nautical theme kind of, you know, flows yeah. throughout this album. Um, I listened to this right after Cal- the, the Khaled album, too. So it was like a complete breath of fresh air. So like I went yeah, to it's like a completely different thing. Yeah, right? and like, a completely different idea behind it. So like I listened to the first one of these I listened to was the Conway the Machine album, Maquina. And you know, that was really good. And then it was like severe disappointment dropping off listening to the Khaled album. It was like emotional uh roller coaster. And then this, it's just a completely different vibe, a completely different emphasis, a completely different, you know purpose and it has purpose that's the big thing right and that's why and that's why i think you know there are a lot of artists in toronto that don't that that need to be recognized because there you know just there is there is such purposeful music being made you know within you know within the constraints of the city that um it's good to see definitely definitely and i'm definitely gonna be looking forward to 
Prestige's next project. I think they've announced an EP is coming next. So I think, you know, we'll see a lot more big things for DJ as the year kind of continues on. I think they need to come on this podcast, to be very honest with you. We, we will look forward to, to, the, to making that happen uh, in the future. Um, so next, I want to kind of move on to another album that, you know, I really like that we um, listened to this week. And that is Topaz Jones's Don't Go Calling Your Mama. Did you watch the short film? I I don't think I finished the short film yet because I remember watching the trailer for the short film and then I kind of just got stuck on the album and didn't go back to watching the short film. So I need to do that. Tell me about it. Is it good? Is it everything that I think it is? It's really good. It kind of complements this well and it really goes into like family history and also like black history and stuff too. Like it's just really good. Like just the way it cuts back and forth is really kind of cool. And I got my like documentary filmmaker brain going and I'm like, man, I want to make one of these albums with somebody with a really talented person. I think I would really fucking love to do that. And, um, it just really matched what this album was about, you know, like about like family. And I think it, I think it premiered, uh, was that Sundance? I think. Yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. I think it was at Sundance. Cause I remember seeing the trailer and it had like the, the official Sundance selection on it. It was really well done. It was. Yeah. Like what I, when I saw the trailer, that's when I kind of got hip to the fact that this album was coming out. I didn't really know what to expect for, on the music side of it, but um like to be honest like i was like really really blown away by this album i think you know from what i've heard about the short film to the album cover and art direction to the music itself it was really like a breath of fresh air air and i think that you know in the in all the music that comes out all the time you know whatever it is twenty thousand songs a day uploaded or forty thousand or something like that like this music still feels fresh it still feels new and it still feels special um amongst everything that's coming out yeah i loved it it's really laid back and funky there's like dreamy moments to it super easy on the ears well put together going through like the whole story of growing up and family history and how that mixes with black with black history you know it dips back into old music without seeing seeming kitschy or lame you know it has a pop sensibility but it's also got layers to it it's a really tight album and it's a really like nostalgic album too and self-reflecting and how family affects you and how you affect your family and it kind of leaves you with a feeling of like, where is the rest, which is so difficult to do these days. And like the keys and the synths on this were so well utilized and just everything is super tasteful. Like tasteful would be a really good way I would describe the production style on this. Yeah. And I think that that really fits to it too. Like everything feels like it was laid in place perfectly. Yeah. The instrumentation on it, the kind of musical clips and news clips and, you know, every other kind of multimedia aspect of the album, the features on here, you know, the background singing, the vocals, just everything really, really, you know, fit into place. And it just really just feels like a really complete introduction to an artist. Like, this is an album that if I wanted to introduce you to this artist, this is the album I would play for you. And I think, you know, it might be that record in in his catalog and not to say that this is his ceiling at all but it just feels like a really definitive album in the same way that like the miseducation did or college dropout 
Yes, I think that's good. Did you? What are, what are your thoughts on arcade? Its predecessor, I believe, arcade was its predecessor. Yeah, because got yeah, Top so, Yeah, yeah, twenty sixteen arcade. I think you know that was a really good album as well. Um, and it definitely kind of you know sets the the groundwork for this album. But I think this album is like it's like it, it for me. I'm like this is like really really pristine. Yeah, to be very honest with you, like, I spent a lot of time listening to Arcade, and, like, there is some fucking, um, there's some really great stuff on Arcade, but it doesn't have, like, the complete, but at the end of the day, it's a perfect setup for this album. Just from a sonic, you know, musical front, you know, Arcade's got bangers on it, but um, this album is, is really rooted in a central idea, and it kind of anchors it, and it makes it super wonderful, and I just really really enjoyed listening to it it represents i think the next step uh for topaz jones and now i'm wondering what's you know what's next what are the and that's what you want to be doing like you want to be inviting people into whatever your next work is and just he and just hearing the influences on it and really kind of i know we're going to get into them just an understanding how it's playing with the past but working in the future as well and I think that's what I mean, really, what you're looking for when you're drawing influences from, you know, some fairly heady acts. Yeah, I think like you know, when I think like you know, what's next for this? For this, this is the album that I think you know, you kind of can start to bring other people in on because they hear this and they know kind of what you're about, and that's how you get like the big collaborations, and that's how you. You know, I could see him working really well with someone like Solange Knowles. Yeah, that'd be so a good many, one. Di- like so many different acts. I think you know would kind of fit in here with him. Like I wrote a Amine Lotus. down. A flying Lotus Amine would, would be great. Amine would be a really yeah. good fucking feature. One hundred percent. So I that- think you know you could f- fuse this with some with some other stuff that's kind of in the pop kind of sphere right now. No, it's fucking so good. What tracks what were your favorite tracks? Uh, I think my, that's a really hard question. Mirror, um, really, really stood out to me. It was one of the first ones I heard, heard, obviously it opens this album and then who with Fonte and Maxo, um, and lastly blue. And I think those are my three favorite songs on this album, but I just like all the lyrics, you know, were so on point. It was really, really well thought out. Yeah, it's really good. I really Bubba seventies. So he's got that like bassy synth part and it's like clearly, funkadelic influenced and i just love it it's like grimy and dirty and there's this like crisp drumming over it. the bars are really good on it uh bugging out the closer almost has this like jazz lounge uh very laid back feel dial you know which i which almost like i, I feel like i should have been listening to on like an apartment balcony in the evening and it's just sour belts the guitar lines the phase the guitar lines on it are just really cool and then during the second half of the song like he just he changes the flow and the pace and it was just really i mean it was really fucking it was really good and like you heard things like um can we can we dovetail into the influences because i feel like uh, I I, yeah, I, yeah. I kind of want to explain. Okay, right okay cool, in. cool, cool, cool. So like yeah, for me, right I for me I'm hearing like definitely Sly Stone, Cool and the Gang, George Clinton, Raphael Sadiq elements as well. Um, 
what I write here. I wrote in big letters on my notes, chic, and just in the guitar playing of like Nile Rodgers, which I think it's probably a huge influence on this album. And um, you really kind of hear the, like, like these things on it. And that's why I liked it because I all love that fucking music. Like I'm love me some like cool in the gang uh, and some, you know, parliament and, you know, the, the iterations of George Clinton, parliament and funkadelic. And, um, you know, like I, you can really hear it, but it's not to the point where it's contrived and you're really kind of, you're, it's like, a you know, auditory Easter eggs. You're like, Oh, I wonder what they were listening when they fucking made this. But then all the flows are so good over top of it. So, yeah, I think, like, I see, I saw a lot of Kanye in this album, and it just really reminded me, theme-wise and subject matter-wise, of College Dropout and that kind of era. And I think, like, that's kind of, you know, family, the family kind of vibe I got it from it, too. You know, remind me of a lot of those old Kanye tracks in that late registration and College Dropout era. Yeah, that's a good so point, yeah. I was kind of wondering, like, you know, if this album you know, if Calls Dropout came out in this era, do you think, you know, this is the album I think, you know, that it would be like and be received like? Okay, so I have questions regarding that. So, like, yeah, like, if, like, so if it were to come out today, like, are we saying, like, if it was, like, College Dropout coming out today or the music from 2013 coming out today for Kanye West? Like... Uh, So, I'm thinking, I'm thinking... Uh, what would Kanye look like if Kanye West was a new artist in this 2013? And what his sa- and what you know, his Kanye sound West would coming, and what his sound would sound how, like. how his sound would be received? Okay. Yeah, how his sound would, would be received. You know what what he would look like in terms of like, you know, I don't think he would get to go on a, a Rockefeller Records um in this era. Like, no, okay, I I I, 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 I kind of get what you're asking now because I'm like uh, I I think no I don't think I don't think Rockefeller would be good. I think he would probably because you have to remember like we are so far removed now from Kanye West coming out that it's like like for example uh you know the last album we talked about influenced by fucking Kid Cudi. So now you're getting the influences. The people who are influenced by Kanye are influencing another generation of rappers, and there's another generation of rappers who are influenced by that person. You know what I mean? So, like, what you're seeing right now is yeah. almost like the shadow on the cave wall of yeah, I reference Plato. That's what the fuck is happening now. Uh, it, it is like of Kanye's music. You know, you're seeing the reverberations of it and how it's affecting music. So it would be really weird to see how that would come out, you know, nowadays. Because, again, like, we, we touched on this with the whole, you know, with our Kanye West series, is that, like, music would essentially be turned upside down. And I, I, I really do I, I definitely think it would be something more alternative, too. If Kanye West is dropping, you know, like, one of those first two albums, like, I think it's definitely not on a, a massive major label, because... I think that those albums, like the way they linked, it's like those albums were part of a musical movement that was going away or becoming less popular, but it was incorporating what the future was going to be. So it's like it plugged into the previous era and then created the other era and plugged in the other side, if that makes sense. So... Like, like I don't know. I, th- I, I think that this would be a very good example of something that it might sound like, 
because Kanye West is all, you know, I, I would love to know what he thinks of this album, to be honest with you. That would be a good yeah, collaboration, that'd be, too. That would be interesting. Yeah, I would love to hear him, you know, influence Kanye back or, or them to work together. Like, Do you think that, you know, this album has the potential to make Topaz Jones a mainstream act, you know, in 2021? the only problem is like people are fickle and it's like i don't i like if i was in if i was an a and r guy like i don't know if i would necessarily be good at that like i can tell if something is really good but in terms of what ends up being popular i don't know like it's definitely good enough we'll put it that way it's more than good enough and it takes another step from it takes a step from his predecessor and you know he's got bangers so like he's got all the tools to do well. It's just like, is this going to latch on? I don't know if it latches on to greater means mainstream success in the current, you know, in the current landscape, you know, in the current, you know, hip hop landscape, but I fucking hope it does because it's definitely good enough. The production is good enough and the talent is more than there. Like I'm like, I was, I really enjoyed this. So, on that note, what do you what would you put this album at on our patented cog rating system? This is an eight. I would want more. I think I want to take. I want. I want to go deeper down the rabbit hole. But this was great. Like th- th- like this was a really fun album to listen to, and um, I'm trying to. Okay, so I know this is kind of a weird comparison. One thing I really like about Back to the Future is that it kind of goes through the history of Marty's family, and I really enjoy that. I really enjoy family histories. Like for me, because my like I'm really interested in my own family history, and you know like how my family came here and all this kind of shit. And I love that this is going through talking about his family, and I love that how that's incorporated into like the visual album. Like I think this is a really cool. Like, I think this is one of the reasons why music is cool, you know, like an album like this. Um, I just think there is a whole other level that it can be taken. In fact, I'm thinking, wondering if it's maybe the next situation and what the next iteration of it, because like there's a very clear uh, change in the musical styles from his predecessor. So I'm giving it an eight. I think there's more room to improve. I really fucking enjoyed it. And this is this was one uh, a surprise of the year for me. Yeah, I think for me, this is one of my albums of the year so far. I was, you know, completely blown away by it. I'm definitely going to be listening to this for a long time. And I think it's, you know, at a spot on my, like, rap pantheon of, like, a a string of really, really good independent releases over the last couple of years. Each of them that I've, like, you know, bought and wanted to, you know, keep and treasure forever. I will give this a nine, um, nine cog rating. I would love to see this album done on a major label budget i would love to see everything yeah. you know that went into this album you know being inflated ten, times 10 yeah I, I i think it's just a matter of maybe like can we push it with the experimentation a bit and i'm like but then again like i'm hearing you know like you know the phased out guitars and stuff and i'm like this is really kind of this is really cool and um it's deserving of good marks and uh yeah like i'm wondering this like already this year has been and it's been more low-key releases too that have been awesome so like dc like i love that album that came out this year 
you know, I mean, like, I really fucking enjoyed it, and, um, you know, like, gets, and, 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 and these surprises that are coming out, and, uh, this is another one, I think we're definitely going to be seeing this at the, uh, you know, in the 2021 year-end draft. Definitely, I think this is going to make an appearance. On that note, I want to thank you so much for joining me, Kyle, really looking forward to our next chat about music. Yeah, man, same here, talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, guys.